0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I'm a writer, a blogger. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but is a match from PodMatch. She is a pastor, a speaker a wife and a mom. And she's written a book entitled, I Wish I Could Take Away Your Pain. And she shares other stories on her website, Bravestor.com. It's Brenda Seafelt. Hi, Brenda. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for letting me be your guest. I am ready. I'm so excited. We were chatting a little bit before um, I hit record and we're both in Virginia and we were talking about depending on traffic, how long it would take to meet up with each other. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How long have you been in Virginia? 35 years. Oh I wow. grew up
1: in Minnesota. And then I, God called me to this DC area when I was 18. And I finally got here when I was 25. And I am rooted and planted. And this is where I will be, I
0: believe, till the end of my life. Oh, wow. I, I can't wait to hear how, how God has called you to all of these places. Um, but why don't you share a little bit more about yourself? Just share whatever, um, maybe more about your family or your background. Good. Well, my, my
1: four boys are grown, and they've also given me six beautiful, perfect grandchildren. And I've been married 26 years to my husband John. And I'm also a youth minister. I have been a youth minister for 42 years now. Just starting oh, wow. my 42nd year. It's all I've done with my adult life. Um, but currently I am actually a pastor at a church during the pandemic. Um, Things changed in churches overall in the church I was at changed quite a bit. And so some of the parents of my teens, which this is going to speak to me, right? The parents of the teens asked if my husband, John, and I, who's a worship leader, would start a church for the parents of the teens. Hmm. And the church designed for teens and young adults. And we began during the pandemic, we began using Zoom because that's what was the option was in October 2020. And to my mystery surprise is we're still meeting over Zoom because we've got people coming in from all over the United States to attend church with us. Some of them are my grown teens and some are people we've been meeting along the way. And so I just through this very unique church. It's designed um, for teens and young adults. We have a lot of conversations, which helps with why we meet through zoom no live stream you know deadness we are a church that has conversations together and so this verse the verse i'm going to share with you is one that we talked about in our church just a couple weeks ago and we had a great conversation so i thought i would choose that one
0: Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I love how, I mean, so many of us had to a- adapt. I'm a teacher. I teach um, middle school and high school students and I've taught for 14 years. And like I said, I was a youth minister before that. I've been in youth ministry in some capacity for like 20 years now. Um, but I love how teachers had to adapt and and ministers had to adapt. And um, I love that your focus is with teens and their parents. So did their parents attend the zoom calls as well? Like, are they on when the teens are on? Yep.
1: Oh yes. It's yeah. We're actually, I'm surprised at how old my church is. Um, and how many older people are, I'm, not, I'm old too, I guess, but how many older people are joining in, in our church? Um uh, we meet on a Friday nights and that may be part of it. Um, another reason why we meet on Friday nights was church was changing. The parents of the teens liked having their Sunday mornings back, when we were all, you know, out, Mm. all in shutdown and they Mm -hmm. asked if we could choose a a night to meet and they, they're loving it. The teens are hit or miss because of jobs and sports and stuff like that, but the parents are loving it. A lot of older people have joined in with us. And then I'm also collecting some people who have had church hurt. Mm -hmm. The thought of going Mm -hmm. back to church on a Sunday morning has been too much, but they can come on a Friday night and try us this way try church in a different way try um they you know they sit in the back road keep your camera off and mm-hmm. just try us and you know slowly over time they turn their cameras on then they start having the conversations with us and there's been some real healing happening mm. um because they're because it's just who we are very bible-based being shared on friday nights it's beautiful. Oh my
0: gosh, that's that is beautiful. I love the intergenerational um, communities. I'm I'm Catholic, and there are some parishes that do that for their catechesis, where they and it, it's just such a cool ministry. So and cool. I love how it happens so organically for you. So it's definitely spirit driven. It sounds like, and I can't wait to hear about this verse that you've chosen. So, um, <laughs> what I'm going to have you and and tell us like you know why you picked it, but I'm going to have you read it for us first, and then right. we can get into. Um, why you picked it. But we are going to be talking about today, everyone, Philippians, uh, which is a, a book we've talked about. We've talked about um, an earlier part of chapter two, but we're going to be in Philippians chapter two. And I believe we're doing verses 19 through 29. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm going to read out of the
1: New Living Translation. So if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. And I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Ah,
0: This is such a cool, yeah, such a cool passage. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of kind of background of like where we're at in Philippians and about the letter, and then I'm going to ask you to share why you chose it. So like I said, we've done... um, some other passages from Philippians before in chapter one and earlier in this chapter. Um, There's a really famous one from chapter four that we've done. And uh, the community of Philippi is in Greece or was in Greece at the time. It was one of the first European communities that Paul wrote to. He wrote to this community when he was imprisoned. And as you heard Brenda read, um, he is introducing Timothy and also talking about another early Christian Aphroditus, which i totally butchered the name and you'll have to <laughs> correct my pronunciation. You got, you got me? It. Okay, you got it. All right. But it's it's such a joy-filled letter. Like even though Paul was imprisoned when he wrote it, I'm always struck when I read this letter about like just the joy that he writes with. And he obviously has a great affection for this community and for Timothy, who's introducing here. So my question for you, Brenda, is take us on your journey. Why did you choose this passage? Because these verses are often skipped
1: over and we yeah. don't consider the, the depth of them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, one, cause Timothy, we know a little bit about, and then there's Epaphroditus a name we can't pronounce. So we just kind of skip over this whole <laughs> chunk, but but we just did a, we just did a verse by verse study of Philippians, um, at our church. And this section just, it just popped out at us in such a way that I had to share because I had, for me, it was new also. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talked about Philippians being, you know, part of the epistles, He places those reading, just reading other people's mail. So here we got Mm -hmm. Paul, you know, teaching. Then he starts talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Really like we're just overhearing his conversation in other people's people's mail. And we had this thought, you know, can you imagine being personally mentioned in one of Mm. Paul's letters? How that Philippian Mm -hmm. church would have felt when they're like, oh, Timothy and Epaphroditus got mentioned, blah, blah, blah and then you know over time those names get canonized like this that's just mm-hmm. a crazy thought so we're we some, some of background. your um
0: oh. <laughs> no i would love i'd love for you to give us um some background if you if you know some more historical context for us if that's what you're going to share
1: yes let's you know so you know the author is paul like you mentioned and he is mm-hmm. he's an oppressed jew you know we mm-hmm. think sometimes we think of paul as being of the upper class cuz he he was you know an educated jew but he, remember he was also under the Roman authority. He was a Roman citizen, but we know in other parts of the book of Acts, it didn't matter that he was a Roman citizen because he got beat anyway. But now he's sitting here in prison because he exerted his rights as a Roman citizen, and that led him to prison to wait for his trial. And as you read in the book of Acts, it turned out to be a pretty crooked trial in the end. And then it eventually took his life. So The author is Paul, who is, I just want to put, is an oppressed Jew in a colonized country. Mm -hmm. And then we have Timothy, who is the author of 1 and 2 Timothy. And we read about Timothy eight times in the book of Acts. And every time Paul mentions Timothy, it's always full of affection. You can see the impact that Timothy had on Paul's life. There's Mm -hmm. great respect and admiration for the young man that Timothy is growing into. And then we have Epaphroditus. Again, this is the only reference to Epaphroditus in the entire Bible. And he's one of the Philippians, which is what we learned in this section. And the Philippian church sent him to encourage Paul. And as we read, what an encouragement Paul was. So he was also very likely a Greek Gentile. The city of Philippi, like you mentioned, was was an an isolated city, way out there, um, far from Antioch, far from Jerusalem. And here's this little church that just met because Paul didn't want to go to Philippi, but he got redirected to end up in Philippi, met Lydia. They began this church. And like I said, there's a great love for this little isolated church. And this church, in response, sent Epaphroditus back to visit Paul and to send greetings and all kinds of church news that would just make Paul's day, which is clearly is what he did. And he's probably because if Philippi being a mixed culture, he was a Greek Gentile because the middle of his name is Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. So which would be a very common name in the Greek culture. It'd be very much like um John or Mark or Paul being named after one of the gods. And so Epaphroditus mm-hmm. was a male named after Aphrodite.
0: I love that. And I, I, I'm so curious to like um how did your teens and how did your community respond when you all broke open the scripture together? Okay.
1: So you mentioned this also that Philippians is full of joy. Mm-hmm. Paul mentions it again and again. It it's almost like he mentions it like a comma. Um mm. it's it's like he's teaching joy, teaching joy. It's like like a comma. And in even in this little section, in verse 18, right before Paul mentions joy. In verse the next verse right after the section, which would be chapter 3, verse 1, Paul mentions joy again. So it's like he's, he's writing this, this letter, this mail, and he's mentioning joy. Oh, joy. Speaking of joy, I, th- I thought of Timothy. Thank you for Timothy. Thank you for Epaphroditus. And he's back to joy again. So this <laughs> is a very through theme. And from our conversations in church, we came up with four aspects of joy that makes it this unique emotion. And these four aspects are, is that joy involves faces. And this turns out, as I got to do more research on this, that this is the neurological definition of joy, which in this is from Dr. Alan Shore of the UCLA psychiatry department. It is joy is what you experience when you can see in another person's face and eyes that they are happy to be with you. Hmm. So joy always involves a face. And then, number two aspect is this is different from that happiness because joy leads to physical expression of joy, often a contagious expression. Like, like and with happiness, you're happy, but when you have joy, your arms go in the air, your smile breaks across your face, your heart is warmed. There's all kinds of physical responses when joy is happening inside your body. The third aspect is, is that being with like minded people or again, faces, leads to a more joy-filled life. The more like-minded people in your life, the more joy that you have. So joy doesn't exist outside of relationships. And joy, the the fourth aspect is joy gives my life perspective. So here you got joy, you got Paul writing to the church, giving them teachings. You know, he also does some correcting there with Cintoki and Eodia, he has to do some correction, but he goes right back to joy because Cintoki and Eodia also have faces, and I think when he confronts them later on in the book of Philippians, he sees their face and he has joy, and he goes right back to joy again. And then we would get to Philippians four about we have all those verses that I, that I call coffee mug platitudes because they're on. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> but when you add the aspect of joy to each one of those verses. You see how those platitudes give our lives perspective, and it's all based in joy. And so here we have two stories of two faces that Paul has stopped to say, "You are giving me so
0: much joy right now." I love that. I love when I think about joy and happiness. For me, the the difference is that joy. Like, I can still be a joyful person and not always be happy. I feel like happy right. is very, very temporary. And so, like, I'm a teacher, right? So, like, I, I like to think that my students think that I'm joyful, but they know that I'm not always happy um, in the mo- <laughs> in the moment, right? And so, I but I liked um, this professor that you cited um, that they're – like the, the four kind of aspects. And I'm particularly struck by that faces and relationship piece. And, and certainly this passage is so full of that. And you hit on one of the things I was going to ask is that, you know, I think about our relationship with God, we can't necessarily see his face, but we can have that relationship with him. So I guess I wonder if you could maybe speak more to that that point of how we can experience joy with God if we're looking at these aspects.
1: Very true, there is i'm just I'm gonna draw a blank here, and you can help me with this there's a that blessing in number six where it says, may God's face shine upon you mm, mm-hmm. um and the rest of it is is um not we don't do this on a regular basis, but many churches do say that blessing as a benediction, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when we feel God's face turn towards us, our hearts are warmed mm-hmm. and when we grow to know God and we get closer and closer to his face as as we grow in our faith, we learn to trust this God more. C.S. Lewis um, wrote in, I can't remember which one, but he's talking about Diggory. And he, he, Diggory is talking to Aslan and Diggory and Aslan are walking along. And Diggory finally gets the courage to ask Aslan to heal his mother. His mother's dying. And He's looking at Aslan's feet and the big claws, and he's fearful of Aslan, but he's still walking with Aslan, so maybe he can ask Aslan to heal his mom, and there's no response. And they're still walking and walking, and he finally gets the courage to ask, ask again, but this time he looks up into Aslan's face and says, will you heal my mom, But this, in C.S. Lewis' words, And he looks at the lion's face and he sees tears in his eyes. When he kept his eyes on the ferociousness of the paws, he was afraid of God. But when he looked into the face of Aslan or the face of God, he saw where God's God's heart was towards him and everything was better. So the more we can learn the Bible, the more we can see God's face shining on us, the braver we become, the more we trust God.
0: Yeah, I've, I have I think I struggled with that when I was in my teens and in my 20s. And so I'm sure you experience as a youth minister, you see student, kids and students that are struggling. Um, I think a big thing for me, and I've had some guests talk about this, like when I read the scriptures, trying to hear Jesus's words, not necessarily in my tone of voice, because sometimes when we're reading it, I put my tone onto Christ's or Paul's. Um, words where really I need to think about, like, how would Jesus be speaking these to me? He wouldn't say it in the same tone that I would use, you know? And so um, I yes. love thinking about Paul's, like, sweet tone that he has to, like, Timothy and our dearly beloved Epaphroditus. <laughs> I think I did it better <laughs> Correct, <at the> time. <laughs>
1: Correct. Like you can almost hear, can hear just the joy. Oh, Timothy and Epaphroditus and joy mm-hmm. again. You know, like, there's just... These are these are my people and I can't wait to be mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. hmm Mm-hmm.
0: And that was another thing you said too, an aspect about like being in relationship and particularly with um community that that are like minded. Um, and I think that is that is certainly true. Um, but it's difficult, right? We have so with social media and everything, you know, certainly we encounter a lot of people that are not like minded. Do you think that we can experience joy still in those situations?
1: No. It's gotta be faces. Eye-to-eye contact. Now, there's a whole brain science about joy that is Mm -hmm. fascinating. Our brain runs on the fuel of joy, and it is faces. It is eye contact first and voice second. And when we are in in our screens or in social media, it's not the same. And -hmm. so if you think of, of the impact on our culture since we've been on our screens more and we're much more divided in an angrier culture, Mm -hmm. um, it's different. This is having an effect on our souls because I think we are having less face-to-face contact. It is Mm -hmm. easier to be mean to somebody in social media than it is to be in person.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It is easier to dehumanize someone on social media than if you were in in, in proximity with them. You would have to feel the compassion of a situation if you're in that situation with somebody. But social media has kept us away from faces that can actually grow our faith.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I feel like we're struggling with empathy as a society and culture. And I think that is due to the fact, like if we're going to be much more empathetic naturally, if we're with the person, um, it's easier to hide behind a screen. So, So being in a community that you all are behind screens how do you experience joy with one another and i, I know it's different than social media but how do you all experience joy as a community
1: because we're, we're on zoom so faces mm-hmm. are on the screen
0: faces mm-hmm. and I, we're,
1: we're our, our church setup is a zoom built studio so we're we're like we look more like a tv studio and then we do a church just just mm-hmm. to help take some miscalculations away and so we have a mm-hmm. huge screen everybody's face is on the screen and unless you're in the back row and you can have your camera off and that's okay. Um, but these all these faces are on the screen and you're able to speak and be heard because we have conversations. So mm-hmm. there's eye contact, there's voice contact, and we're just in this together, even though we're coming in from California to Virginia. There is relationships building, there's wisdom being shared, there's excitement when someone's been gone for two weeks and they get, you know, there's, there's definitely... We're defying the odds using technology that, again, during the pandemic, we had to turn to, and we're trying to make it a way to be face-to-face as we are sharing and growing together.
0: Yeah, I love how we've like we were talking about adapting and um, some of the things we found worked for us, you know, when we were in the pandemic. And I like that people are still, you know, working from home if they if they are able to and and using Zoom more frequently. And I, I want to bring us back to the passage, though. So joy is one thing that we've gleaned from this relationship. Um, uh, what else would you like to share about this passage? What else did you all discuss when we talked about it?
1: Um, we talked about, I'm going to go in this but back to this brain science. We have, you know, two, we have a left brain and a right brain and all of us function out of both sides of the brain. So that, you know, the jokes made about I'm left brain, you're right brain. That's just not true. Um, but our left brain action is commonly thought of as the mind. So left mm-hmm. brain is the dominant functions are logical thinking, problem solving strategies, language, cause and effect relationships words to our experiences, planning, arguments formulated, and truth defended. So I'm, I'm, I'm building somewhere going back to what joy does. The mm-hmm. right brain governs the whole range of our relational life. It's who we love, our emotional reactions to our surroundings, our ability to calm ourselves, our identity, both as individuals and as a community, manages our strongest relational connections, both the people and God, and character formation. And our our right brain actually interprets the room before the left brain does. <laughs> it's just a tick faster. So when you, you walk into a room, your right brain is already be looking for faces that are familiar, looking mm-hmm. for voices you trust so that you are can, can be safe in the room or unsafe in the room. And then when you're safe in the room because there's a face you trust, then your left brain kicks in and you can... Share, you can make decisions, you can have cause and effect discussions and and share things. Church loves um, left-brain stuff like Bible and prayer reading. But our our brains need faces to help us learn the prayer and Bible reading. And so the more we are with our people in a small group, in a church that knows you by name, not in church where you just see someone's, the back of someone's head week after week and you leave the building, but you see people who know your name, call you by name, you hear your name said, it brings you to a place of learning because your right brain is active, then your left brain can react. And mm-hmm. so I think of this, I think of the science, Paul is in his cell and he's writing letters, but he's by himself. He's got visitors. We know this from the book of Acts and the other books that he's, he wrote. And then he gets to see Timothy. Can you imagine how his right brain felt and his left brain all of a sudden got to be wiser and wiser and wiser? And then here comes Epaphroditus, all the way from Philippi with news from the church. And they're just sharing stories back and forth and back and forth. And Paul's brain is just lighting up with all kinds of words just for the Philippian church. And he writes us this whole letter which is one full of joy full of these coffee mug platitudes and full of these nuggets of truth which makes it
0: one of the most popular epistles mm-hmm. and i think it's because of the
1: faces that he got to see while he was writing it
0: i love thinking about that it's when you're speaking about that now i'm just like why do we pass over this this passage why do you think it is why do you think we kind of go more towards the beginning of this chapter or to chapter 4 why do you think we it, kind of pass over it
1: the, the beginning is a poem and that Kind of makes sense. I mean it's a beautiful mm-hmm. poem. Um, mm-hmm. I think this one it just involves a person we don't know in Timothy and then Epaphroditus we can't even pronounce the name much less to try <laughs> to read it and so it's and then it just feels like it's other people's mail and like we're just in eavesdropping in Paul's life for a moment mm-hmm. but when we and again it took this conversation in church for me to even figure this out mm-hmm. um, and we start seeing the depth of what these faces gave to Paul. The faces, the eyes, the voice, and how this probably impacted um, Philippians 3. One is one of the more famous verses about joy um, because it came right out after this. It just makes so much sense. And then there's a the brain science that backs this all up. So mm-hmm. it was it just fits together and makes so much sense. And again, churches love the Bible reading and the prayer stuff, but if we can add more joy to our that kind of stuff, we're going to add more learning at the same time. Character formation is part of church where character formation happens in the right side of our brain. So let's get
0: more people involved in our lives. Amen. I, I mean, as a teacher, I totally, like I, I can teach a class and my students will still learn something if I'm just giving content, but how much more are they going to like latch on if I also have a relationship with them? You know, like and oh, kind absolutely. of build that relationship and then they're going to be like, Oh, I really love scripture class. or I really, you know, because they, they know me and they know that I know them and then they're going to, they're going to listen more intently and they're going to maybe latch on to a few more things. So I love how you're, and I agree with church too. I feel like as a Catholic, um, I, I'm very involved in my church, and um, one of the communities I'm a part of, we bring in people who are discerning coming into the Catholic Church, and it's a really cool small community. We have dinner together, we do you know scripture studies together and stuff, and just that relationship building is why that ministry I think is so successful. So I love I'll, and to, and again to go back and think about that, that Paul got to experience this in the early Christian community is so cool. As we wrap up, what are some last takeaways you'd like us to? to take away from this passage as we wrap up? You
1: mentioned in the beginning of my introduction that I wrote a book and I wrote a book mm-hmm. called, I wish I could take away your pain. And this is book is a small book. It's only 28 pages. It's got doodles in it. It's, it's dedicated to the, to the faces that have been in my life that have helped me carry the pain of my life. This has come from people who have seen me in my lowest moments and have stayed with me in those lowest moments. I can, to this day, still see their faces as I am falling onto the floor in tears. And they are staying with me because they keep their face in my face and saying, I'm with you. They didn't give me a drive-by prayer. They didn't give me a platitude. But they were like, I am here with you. And so my book is about these faces and how to stay in someone's life. And I, I understand um, when someone's life, someone gets that that bad news, it could be really hard for you because it could trigger something inside of you or you don't know what to say. And that's maybe why you say a drive-by prayer or maybe why you will give them a Philippian 4.19 or something. Hmm. But it's the people And so my my book is about how to be that person that stays in the long Mm -hmm. haul, how to not remove yourself from my pain, even if it makes you uncomfortable, because this is the difference maker to get you through to the other side where there's always healing. I mean, as Christians, we're not exempt from pain, but there's always healing. And it is the people who have carried my pain when I couldn't any longer and those people have faces that I will never, ever, ever forget. That's what I write about in my book.
0: Yeah, I think something in the pandemic. It was so hard because we couldn't see, oh. you know, our faces, but we went to Zoom. But, um, but yeah, those those relationships are so important. It's so, that's why it's so joyful now to be with people again. Um, it, it brings exactly. a certain joy. Exactly. Yeah. Of
1: the science behind that it makes so much sense. Why the pandemic was so hard mm-hmm. on us? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, mm-hmm.
1: we're made this way.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's an even Paul and and all of his and just it's it's so cool when you look at the bible that way. So I want to thank you so much Brenda for sharing this passage that we we didn't really know about but now we know so much more. Where can people find your book? I mentioned a website at the beginning. Where where would you like us to to find out more about you and your book?
1: Good. Uh, my book is found at com. It's um brave dot S-T-E-R, r.com like hipster. Um, mm-hmm. My book is on there, or there's a Kindle version on Amazon. Um, my church, if you're interested, if you're one of these people that are not in church right now and you just want to be maybe in something like I talked about, my church is Largest Story, church.com. You can go there, and we don't release the Zoom link publicly because we try to protect it, but mm-hmm. you can sign up. There's a form. We'll send you the Zoom link. Pop in. Keep your camera off. Be in the back row of a church, and See if you can try a church with faces that you will grow to trust. We have so much wisdom to share together, and you're you're invited.
0: Thank you so much. If you all want to find out more about me, you can go on to Instagram at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out, um, and find me there. And I'd love to chat with you. I'd love for you to be a guest on my podcast. You can reach out th- uh, to me through there. I'm also on X, which seems weird to say now because <laughs> I used to say Twitter. And now it's X. I'm on there at Ms. Struckley1, M S S T R U K E L Y 1, where I tweet about, I'm still going to say tweet, tweet, I tweet about. <laughs> (laughs) what's going on in my classroom in Catholic education. But again, Brenda, thank you so much for being here. Please go check out her book and her church. Um, And thank you for sharing this passage with us. You're welcome. Bye, everyone.